0: The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides, and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davidson, Lynette's is open for takeaway noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now. Get some Lynette's. hey greetings everybody welcome to the craig Fawley show on deadline detroit so glad you have chosen to be with me today we've got an important discussion on tap we'll take a little break from all the happenings in washington to talk a little bit about what's happening in our own backyard in particular the detroit institute of arts uh there's an organization that's part of the dia called the founders junior council and they have been doing some really really important work for many people sort of behind the scenes for a long time, but they've just announced a nice gift to the museum that is going to really help when it comes to outreach in the community, strengthening the African-American art collection in town and a whole lot more. And I thought we'd talk a bit about it with two of the members of the Founders Junior Council. We have with us Angela Roganzi, who is the president of the Founders Junior Council this year and Nate Wallace, who is the vice president of the FJC. Welcome to both of you. I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks
1: for having us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to start out with this because, you know, there are these auxiliary groups that are part of the DIA and and, uh, do really important work. But again, do a lot of this stuff sort of behind the scenes. And Angela, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the FJC and really what the role is uh, for this organization.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Craig. Uh, The Founders Junior Council is one of the largest auxiliaries within the DIA. It's made up of young professionals who have a commitment to uh, the arts as well as giving back to the museum. We spend a lot of time um, fundraising and helping financially support uh, the DIA and its mission. Uh, We also have recently um, returned to our roots thanks to um, our vice president, uh, Nate, and really have looked to uh, become more of a collector's board and contribute in a different way to the museum than we have in the past.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, that is something that I found really interesting in in reading about this gift. First of all, Um, instead of just raising money, Nate, I mean, there are... There are strings attached, I guess I should say. Uh, And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I like the fact that you are directing some of this money to actually go to improve the actual collection, especially of African-American art and local locally produced African-American art from the city of Detroit.
2: Yeah. I think that Detroit has always had a, had a really deep history of, of art collecting um, as well as, as well as African-American artists. So um, being able to connect the DIA and the FJC to that history was really important. So once we got an opportunity to kind of to to really dive into this type of work, we wanted the FJC to lead in this, you know, um, as it has done, you know, so many years ago. Um, so being able to to put this gift together and 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 make it to where it is, some strings attached to this, um, you know, strengthening our local art connections uh, was important, you know, and in, in the time that is really needed.
0: Well, and it seems, Angela, too, that, I mean, a lot of this is designed to really sort of, uh, I don't want to say increase the influence of the FJC, but to, to give you more of uh, a say in really the direction that the museum is going in. It's not just the DIA, but uh, a lot of museums across the country are really examining their collections uh, and, and what they need to make a part of those permanent collections. Uh, talk a bit about the FJC and having that sort of um, increased influence, I guess, on, on how the museum is going to operate from a curatorial standpoint.
1: The founders junior council has always been a leader within the museum and many folks from founders junior council move on to the governing board and so it really is a pipeline for future museum leadership from a volunteer and board uh board membership Uh, i think from a curatorial perspective and from our influence um, we are a very diverse group we're probably one of the most diverse um auxiliaries uh within the DIA and really want the museum to be reflective of the larger community, which includes, you know, the state, but particularly Southeastern Michigan, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County, which are incredibly diverse um, places. And so wanting to make sure that not only um, our board, but the museum reflects that. And if we can do that through our influence around um, giving and, and ensuring that more artists collect, Oakland, then I think um, we are doing our job um, in supporting the museum's future.
0: Well, and and Nate, I mean, the diversity and inclusion part of this is really important. Again, this is not just the Dia dealing with these sorts of issues. This is museums across the world, frankly, that are that are trying to figure out how they can be more representative of the communities that they are in. Uh, talk about the challenge there, and and how it is you think is best to sort of address it.
2: Sure, I think that I think that at the heart part of it is equity. We got to talk about equity. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, the Dia is in Detroit. You know, so. Um, being able to make sure that we cultivate uh, that audience, make sure that we're able to include them in everything that we do, you know, is, is, is really important. So, um, in in really thinking about how the DIA and the FJC is going to operate, these are the things that we need to we the things that we need to address. You know, so um, you know, under under Angela, Angela's leadership, um, under the executive board and the committee. Uh, We've really came up with a way to really uh, engage the community um, and really kind of start the process of cultivating the community in Detroit, as well as the larger uh, Detroit community abroad.
0: Well, and it seems it's important, too, that uh, sort of the younger uh, auxiliary here at the DIA is actually sort of leading the charge on this in in many ways. Angela, I mean, I see you smiling sort of Uh, having an ear to the ground, uh, especially with the young people that we're going to need in the future to support the museum um, seems to be really, really important
1: it is incredibly important uh, that we cultivate and develop the next generation of art lovers and supporters of the museum. And uh, all the auxiliaries, I think, do a tremendous job in doing that. And FJC happens to be very, uh, Founders Junior Council happens to be very well positioned to be able to do that with young leaders, uh, particularly folks from diverse backgrounds when we have a strong intention of bringing folks from different geographies, different ethnicities to the table to make sure that the future of the museum continues and the future of the the governing leadership continues to reflect the broader community.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about what you guys have been up to during the pandemic here, because this has been a difficult time, not just for the museum, but for everybody. Um, you know, the, the museum uh, had to shut down for a little while, but it has reopened. Uh, and obviously you're at a lot less capacity than you could have been before. That did not stop you guys from, figuring out ways that your roles and, and your, um, and and frankly, your fundraising prowess is able to help the museum talk a bit about, uh, the challenge there and and why it was important to make sure that you were still working, uh, while we're all dealing with this and either one of you can, can tackle that one.
2: Yeah. So I'll jump in first. So, um, one of the things that, that, I mean, the museum closed, you know, so, um, you know, keeping in spirit with the museum, a lot of a lot of what we did kind of came to a halt. But what it did, it gave us time to really think about, you know, what's the future of the FJC? You know, how do we need to pivot in this moment? How can we be um, um, how can we be impactful in this in this particular moment? You know, so um, the things that we we're thinking about uh, not only is is in touch with um, kind of what's happening on the ground. Um, where we need to be positioned for you know for, for pre covid world you know what does that even look like the questions that we are asking ourselves is who do, who does the fjc need to be um you know in this post pandemic world you know and i think that we've made the necessary adjustments to make a, a really strong pivot um going forward
0: well angela you know I, i'm sort of uh, intrigued to know the answer when you're sitting there trying to ask questions about what's the fjc supposed to be um what do you think? I mean, have you come up with a definitive answer at this point?
1: I don't know that we've come up with a definitive answer and um, FJC has you know been around since the 70s. It's um, I believe the 70s if I'm yep. correct. Um, and it, you know everyone's experience with the FJC over um, time has changed in what they believe the FJC to be. And I think what we're really trying to do is examine what is the legacy of the Founders Junior Council and what do we want to leave in place given um, this very um, interesting and and opportune time to be thinking about what are we bringing forward from the past that has maybe been forgotten and what are we looking forward to as a, an auxiliary and what we're going to prioritize in the future. And some of that will not be left up to Nate and I as we will um, move on, but trying to ensure that we're uh, charting a path for folks who will come behind us to ensure that um, we're bringing forward the past, but also honoring what will be the future.
0: Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, I mean, you guys do have uh, some fundraising prowess, and that was uh, evidenced by uh, the gift uh, that was made to the DIA recently, which uh, some of it is for traditional operational expenses, obviously, but I do want to talk about the half million dollars, really, frankly, that has been set aside uh, specifically for African-American art. You've got the DIA's African-American art fund, a $250,000 gift there, um, which helps with You know, uh, curatorial uh, research, uh, development of exhibitions and things like that. Some of the operational costs associated with that collection. But then there's also $250,000 for the purchase of African-American art for the permanent collection. Um, Is this a first uh, that you have specifically set aside money for that purpose? This is a first. This is a first. Being able to establish a local art
2: collecting practice within the museum you know, is you know, is 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 amazing, you know, and, and we're really happy about being able to establish the fund and, and really be really instrumental in making sure that voices that are spectacular, we have some amazing artists in the city of Detroit right in our backyard. Being able to to kind of vet to, to go through the process with them and getting them inside, you know, the museum, the DIA, which is one of the top ten museums in the world, you know, is is significant. It's significant. You know, so being able to to walk this down and hand and, and hold hands with Valerie Mercer, who's the African-American curatorial um, uh, uh, expert over there. And and she's helping us to kind of understand the process, walk us through that process from what does it take to actually uh, become a part of a collection within the museum. Um, and then being able to just, being able to review the artists, being able to understand their work, being able to walk through the process. You know, this is an amazing experience, you know, and, and we're happy to kind of lead that way.
0: Well, and, and Angela, again, identifying uh, these people that are in our own backyard seems to be important, especially from an artist's perspective, to know that, you know, a city like Detroit is looking in its own backyard for talent as opposed to going to the coasts, uh, as we normally would think, or, or going to Europe for some of this sort of stuff. Uh, you know, there's, there is quality work being done in the city. Um, is it difficult to identify those artists and find the ones that you think are worthy of, of being part of the permanent collection?
1: No, it's been um, quite a spectacular experience. Both Nate and I as leaders uh, within the Founders Junior Council have participated in um, some of the dialogue with um, Valerie at the museum, and the artwork that has been selected for us to review is quite incredible. Um, I don't think, um, like many stories of Detroit and the larger southeastern Michigan, there is no shortage of talent, and there is no shortage of incredible stories of um, folks contributing. It's just a matter of finding those stories and making sure you're elevating and and having those conversations. And I think particularly those conversations get lost or are not as loud when they're coming from black and brown folks within the community. And so um, part of our um, desire is to make sure that we're ensuring that the museum honors um, both where it sits, but also the true talent that is um, within the city that maybe is not as seen as, as often.
0: Well, and and again, neither of you are curators, uh, but but at the same time, I mean, um, it, it seems to me that it's important that uh, you know people recognize again the quality uh, and, and the level of of talent that that does exist, um, and, and making sure that that when you do present this stuff, that the importance of these artists and the work that they are putting out there is explained to people, uh, because I think, you know, obviously, our, our overall art education in this country is probably somewhat low, I would think. Um, and, you know, you can't, you don't want to dumb it down, I guess I should say that, you know, so the people understand it too much. This is something that Di has been criticized for in the past, um, when it comes to the way that they display things. But at the same time, you do need to bring it to the people in a way that they maybe understand uh, how much work is going to have to go into that to explain it to people why these pieces are are different or more important than something else?
2: Well, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity. I think that uh, for a long time, the art world has, you know, has this fog over it. Um, so being able to kind of demystify that process, um, being able to actually know the person who's creating the work um, is important, you know, so that we can be able to engage and have a really authentic conversation about the work and the process, you know, but at the same time, um also understanding that collecting art is for everybody this isn't just something that that exists um this that, that sits on this high perch you know anybody can collect art and detroit has a, a long history of art of collecting so um so i think that through this whole process there's some natural teachings that will happen and i think that the whole thing exists um to demystify the process
0: Well, if I could ask Angela, I mean, what has been the reaction from the art community uh, to to what you've done? Your announcement that, uh, again, you've set aside this much money for purchasing uh, locally produced art for the collection. I'm assuming that this has got people buzzing a little bit.
1: Yeah, we received really good feedback. I think um, it's uh, a great um, opportunity for folks, again, that have historically not had any opportunity to have their work displayed. Um, The museum as a whole um, has opportunities to incorporate more um, black and brown um, photographs, um, folks, artists um, that are of color, and so I think um, we've gotten, um, I've gotten great feedback from folks around um, this initiative, and this really is um, Nate's um, leadership um, that has come forward. I am simply carrying out his vision now, um, but this really was his his birth um, his birth uh, his uh, brainchild, and um, I think it's something that. Um, we all can really get behind and are super excited to be able to support um, now and in the future.
0: Well, and and again, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. Uh, and, and I know there's a committee that has been set up to sort of review uh, the pieces and Nate, you're part of that uh, again, a, along with the curator that you mentioned, um, you know, this has got to be the fun part of this job because the raising money part, you know, you've got to do that. It's, and that's a huge part of what the FJC is all about, but this has got to be a little bit more fun, Nate.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Being able to, being able to have this type of impact is is tremendous, you know, um, because of the talent that exists in the city um of our black and brown artists. You know, many of them who have shows, you know, all around the country. Um, but being able to have it located here, you know, and it, being able to go to the museum and point to something that that exists, you know, within your your own backyard is a is a different sort of pride, you know. So I'm 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 happy to work with Angela and, and the executive committee and, and the board on this and kind of seeing this through.
0: Well, uh, one of the other things that uh, some of this money is going towards is uh, $500,000 to sponsor the Van Gogh in America exhibit, which is coming in 2022. I know it's been delayed a little bit because of COVID. Um, but Angela, I mean, you know, Van Gogh, the DIA was the first public museum in the U.S. to purchase a painting by Van Gogh. Uh, which they got back in 1922. Obviously he is incredibly well-known world over And, and the kind of artist that brings people to the museum. How do you make sure that those people that are coming to see that Van Gogh exhibit, then find their way over to see some of the other parts of the collection, because that's always the challenge. It seems to me.
1: We're really excited to be partnering around um, the Van Gogh exhibit. It is a once in a generation um, show um, in the number of Van Goghs that will be on display at the museum. Um, I think one of the challenges we often face um, in general and why the museum's education program is so important is that many folks um, who may um, visit for an exhibit um, may not find their way throughout the museum because they're unfamiliar with navigating a museum and maybe haven't went as a child or have been exposed. And so the museum's education program, I think is very important in that it brings um, students from across the Tri-County area to visit the museum and educate them on it. And I think um, we will do our best to um, encourage folks to participate both in Van Gogh but all of the exhibits going forward. And uh, so the work of the FJC is trying to uh, garner a larger presence and make sure that folks know that we're here and that we're doing great work and we're offering, Um, Dynamic programming that um, tells stories and narratives that maybe weren't told before, um, but also telling incredible stories like the Van Gogh um, exhibit, which will be a phenomenal display of what the museum is capable of doing um, as an arts institution.
0: Well, and and uh, I do want to talk a, a little bit more about the FJC and its role. Again, it is for younger people to get them involved in the museum, to get them involved in in caring for for the collection uh, that is here. This is and and again, it is an amazing collection that we have here in the city of Detroit at the DIA. Um, you know, Nate, from your perspective, you know, did you know what you were getting into when you started with the FJC, and and uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience there and and what it's meant for you.
2: Sure, sure. So um, really early on, um, I, I was interested in arts. So being an art collector um, was on my brain in my twenties. You know, so um, so the FJC has always been this thing just because of the, the 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 quality of people that's come from the FJC and who's going on to do some amazing things. I've always had my eye on the FJC. So um, when it when when I felt like I I had enough in the tank to kind of be a part of the FJC. Um, you know, I had an idea of, of of where it could go and what it could be early on. Um, just being just being connected to some of the legacy, you know. So being able to talk to Andrew Camden, um, being able to talk to Blake Ellis, being able to talk to Dennis Archer Jr., you know, some of these really prominent names that's come from the FJC um who, who want the FJC to go in and do more. You know, they want us to go further, they want us to continue that legacy. You know, so just being able, just being present, you know, in the FJC um, and looking for those opportunities to kind of carry that legacy further has always been top of mind for me.
0: Well, and Angela, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer the same question. What is it? uh, What has it meant for you to be a part of this?
1: I think it's been an incredible opportunity to develop um, one friends and colleagues um, who share a similar passion for art and culture. Um, I also think arts and culture is, you know, a space where conversations around equity and differences and perspective um, are commonplace. And uh, I'm super um, grateful for the opportunity to be able to have colleagues who have those conversations um, on the board. Um, But I also think, you know, it's a phenomenal opportunity to contribute to what is one of our greatest assets in the community and um, honor and protect arts and culture in a way that allows it to be around for generations to come. And so um, I really take this opportunity to be on the board as both a privilege to contribute to the community, but also it's been uh, really tremendous to meet um, folks like Nate who um, have become dear friends of mine um, over the years um, just because of our shared um, passion around um, this work and the museum and our willingness to kind of dig in
0: well, we certainly appreciate uh, the work that you have both been doing and everybody on the FJC board. Uh, certainly, uh, we're looking forward to seeing the additions to the collection uh, that you all agree on and uh, and make their way into the permanent collection at the DIA. And again, thank you for the sponsorship and, uh, and the donations because as somebody who spends a lot of time at the DIA and has always appreciated it and has been a huge part of my family's life, uh, we love what you're doing over there and uh, we want you to keep it up. So, Nate Wallace and Angela Rogan Thank you so much for being with us today. Again, Angela is the president of the Founders Junior Council at the DIA. Nate is the vice president, former president of the of the uh, of the board there. So we appreciate you both very much and uh, continued success. Thank you so much, Craig.
1: Thank you, Craig, for having us.
0: And thank you for listening to the program today. I really do appreciate it. Keep in mind, coming up on Friday, we'll have the week that was on deadline. Detroit working on panelists for that right now. Obviously, much to discuss as we watch the impeachment trial taking place in the U.S. Senate. Uh, Quite interesting so far, and uh, we'll have a lot to discuss there, plus some other things going on here in Michigan that we need to discuss as well. So uh, we'll be all over it. By the way, if you've got some thoughts on who should be our schmuck of the week... Please send them my way, the Craig Show at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media. Send me notes on Messenger or Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It's all something uh, that you can do, and that will get to me. I've already gotten a couple of email submissions for schmucks this week, and they're both pretty darn good. So we'll see if they make it into the final tally for this week. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday. Look for more. Again, the week that was always a lot of fun. We do that live at 1130 on Facebook Live. It's also on Deadline Detroit's YouTube feed live. Um, And then, of course, I make it available as a podcast later in the day. And the video will be on DeadlineDetroit.com a little bit later in the day. I certainly appreciate you. We'll see you then. Looking for the latest news and information about our great city of Detroit? Head to DeadlineDetroit.com for one-stop shopping for the most important stories of the day. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in town, providing original reporting, videos, and podcasts that keep you in the know about everything happening in Detroit. Become a member today, and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing for prizes, including gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Go to DeadlineDetroit.com membership.